Hey, you've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. And welcome to an exciting third episode of Televised Heroics. I'm your co-host, Mitch. Also Dan- with me is... Daniel. <laughs> yeah, the Daniel, that's the part where you say your name, Daniel. I did. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but we also have a special guest host this week, one Christopher Franey. Hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> and you want to think, well, what, why, what makes him a great special guest host? Well, I'd say the guy has quite the encyclopedic mind for comic books, so I think this will work out pretty well. And I'm wearing a really great shirt. Um, sadly, it just didn't translate into sound, but um, <laughs> Actually, that helps get me here. That is what I do a lot. I go on the street and I just look for people with great shirts on. And I say, hey, you want to be on a podcast? It doesn't make any sense, but, you know, how about being on a podcast? And they love it. <laughs> That explains why we don't get any topless women around here. No, no, no. See, topless women doesn't belong on the internet. I don't know what you've been told over these many years, but no one wants to see or hear that. So this week was the beginning of a lot of fall primetime shows, one of which was Gotham. Gotham Season 2, The Rise of the Villains, as the subtitle says. What did you think, Daniel? I don't know, man. I uh, It's still kind of very much like the first season for me, still trying to figure out what it and which direction it's trying to go. I mean, and to be completely honest, I'm just going to bring it back to the first season as well. You know how a lot of TV shows, when they wrap everything up at the end of a season, it usually ends really, really put together or really well done or leaves you at a bigger cliffhanger? I was not satisfied with the ending for the first season of Gotham, and I want to say pretty much about feeling the same way for the second season, for the first episode. So you're not too excited about this next season, is what you're saying? So far from the first episode, I guess it could be really too early to tell from this season, but maybe give two more episodes, I might get into it. But so far, I've still felt pretty much the same way as I did for the first season. Okay, Franey, now I know you didn't watch the first season, right? But you're getting into the second season, and you kind of got a good recap of what happened in the first season. What? How did you feel coming into the second season without much of the knowledge from the first season? Uh, just kind of seeing the supercut and watching episode one of season two. I have to say what was really wild was where they took Jim Gordon. You know, um, having read the comic books, you know, seeing him in the movies and the cartoons... He's always been a fatherly figure, and to see what... Are we okay to mention spoilers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with him killing that guy in the parking lot, that's wow. (laughs) He does the Penguin's favor, and so it's kind of like he compromised himself. And even what we were talking about was, you know, Bruce Wayne, Batman's going to learn that you can never compromise yourself. Exactly. That was that was something that we talked about when we were watching it, and, or at least after we, we got done watching it. Uh, this is the show is about a young 
Gordon, you know, in Gotham trying to figure, find his way. And I did find it funny that in the episode, when he's doing kind of his swan song of after he's been fired from the Gotham PD of uh, telling people, you know, I'm not a cop anymore. I'm sorry, I couldn't do this for you. He goes to Bruce Wayne, who's supposed to be, I guess, 12 years old now. I could have sworn in the first season he was only 10, but apparently now he's 12. But he goes, he goes up to a young Bruce Wayne and he says, look, uh, I can't find the killers to your parents because I'm not going to compromise myself by doing this other thing to get my job back. But then a young Bruce says, look, the ends justify the means. If you can, you have to do something not so great, not so good to get your job back so that you can do good for the rest of the city. It's okay. One, I'm already upset with why is he taking this advice from a kid? Yeah. And it was such a weird moment where it's like, let me just show up at Wayne Manor and talk to this butler and this child and spill my guts out to them. And two, it is very much unlike the Bruce Wayne that we know as an adult that would never compromise anything to get the result that he wants. See, I think uh, that might be a lesson that we see Bruce eventually learn that you can't compromise to be good. What do you think, Daniel? I have to agree with you on that one. Um, I feel like he eventually he will learn, you know, not to compromise himself, and also bringing it back to the first season when you know when it came with Reggie, with when he wanted to kill Reggie, but he didn't have the guts to do it, and Selena ended up doing it and pushing him out the window. So he still had that internal conflict there. So do you think that's that's where he got the idea this time around that it's okay to compromise yourself because you saw Kalina, Selena kill somebody for him? Even though the guy was a bad guy, he just got done stabbing uh, Alfred. Alfred and then was about to, you know, go and rat out Bruce to his employer and stuff like that. It, it's it's a way – Selena kind of taught him that the ends justify the means. Exactly. He got into his head a little bit. Now, what could be interesting is is he blinded by his hormones, you know, people he feels affectionate towards, that he thinks it's okay. Because what if – what if Bullock wanted to compromise? Would he be okay or just be like, no, that's Bullock, what a jerk. But when it's Gordon, who's his new father figure, and it's Selena, his love interest, is that okay? I'm just curious if that's something that could be played up later. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it is it is weird that they focus so much on the Bruce Wayne character. It's almost like because the show to me should be more about gordon and i think for the most part it is uh i think bruce wayne is it's it's a it's a nice little um subplot and it's a way for us to keep contact with the batman that we know the show is going to eventually be or at least not the show but the character is eventually going to be so when gordon goes and checks in on bruce it's kind of like the building blocks that you're, you're seeing be put put together to make the Bruce that we eventually know. So every time they check in with Bruce, it's kind of just a, a, a filler almost. That's true. Um, I th- can't remember when, I think it was on the last episode of the first season, um, where they're doing the whole running away from fish's men. And then just cuts back to, to Bruce really quickly for about 10 seconds. And then cuts, cuts back to, uh, you know, Gordon's whereabouts. So yeah, I, I I could see how it's just filler. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a way to, it's it's a way to tell another story, but that's not important to the main story. I think 
Um, other things that happened in the episode, we did see a new, I guess, head villain, I guess you would say, for this season. He's that uh, the head of the commerce, the chair- chairperson of the commerce department. He's the one that breaks out all these villains from Arkham, and he's talking about putting a, putting them together as a team, basically, a, a team to execute his plans. What was your take on that, Daniel? Um, I guess I have to start somewhere, but um, with them all being, you know, inmates from Arkham, and just, you know, to see them all try to work, work together, I don't think it's going to play out exactly how that guy wants it to. And already one of them was like, you know, I don't agree with your plans. I don't follow orders, you know. And he's like, oh, you're blinded by by the love interest. So there's already conflict. I don't think that's going to work out exactly, but I could always be wrong. <laughs> no, you're right. I think you see that over and over in comic books, at least. Uh, most often than not, you get a group of villains together. They're not going to work well because a villain, almost by definition, always wants to be the leader. There's never usually a follower. I think the only time... <laughs> Uh, a group of villains works out well is probably with uh, the rogues from Flash comics, right? Yeah. The name of the character was uh, Theo Garavant. Do you remember ever hearing about him in the comic books, Franny? Honestly, I can't say uh, the name rings any bells. It was funny because when we were watching the episode and his sister comes in and, you know, breaks through and sets all the villains for you, and I made the joke, I said, oh, here's Talia, you know, and and with him going back or with her going back and then they reveal the mastermind, I feel like he's a poor man's Ra's al Ghul. You know, he's going to come <laughs> in set the city afire with his, his villains released. You know, I, I just, that's what the vibe it gave me. Yeah. I, I definitely got a, a kind of a racial ghoul uh, feel from him. I think uh, he's obviously wanting to be the leader of this, this band of criminals and he, he obviously has some type of plan. We don't exactly know what it is yet or what's the end game, but he he is he's pretty ruthless too, the way that they took out well, I don't want to call him Black Mask, but he's basically this version's Black Mask. He's Richard Sionis instead of Roman Sionis. Yep. What did you take what'd you take from him, Daniel? From um the guy that broke everybody apart? Or, uh, yeah, uh, broke him yeah, out. Broke him out. Can't really say too much about this one. I mean, honestly, don't know. I'm <laughs> just going to lay it out there. I don't know where the season is going yet, um, like I stated earlier. So I don't know exactly what this villain is all about. Um, I mean, is he like an Amanda Waller, but for criminals? Is that what he's trying to do? Accomplish his own, you know, suicide squad? See where that goes? I think I think that is kind of the... I, I To me, personally, when we're, we were watching the episode, I want to say that um, that was the feel, initial feel that I got, was that this is supposed to be almost a precursor to Suicide Squad. Maybe uh, down the line, um, Amanda Waller will get will hear that someone tried to do this in Gotham, and she'll get the idea, hey, I can actually do this on a bigger scale, use them for uh, government missions instead of just robbing banks. Yeah, because what could be interesting... And looking at it from a marketing standpoint, it does feel like they're riding that bus. You know, it's like, hey, Suicide Squad, that's us. <laughs> and an interesting thought, what if Gordon is their straight man, their Steve Trevor, you know, that guy? And I feel like with Gordon's background, you know, emphasizing the service, you know, he's a good fighter. He's the straight edge. I, I feel like that's what it could be. 
Like eventually this favor could throw him in charge of that group and there you go. So you think that eventually since he's um in cahoots with the penguin kinda, he's going to somehow become part of this group with this Theo Garavant guy and he's gonna he might be their uh uh Rick Flag kinda. Like their their field commission or their field uh, commander. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at like having not watched all the episodes of season one, but Penguin, he played fish against Falcone and then also and then, against Maroni. You know, so he's good at. He's got this idea of I can see what's coming, so let me put this player here and then work it through. And who knows? Gordon could think, well, maybe I should jump in on that. And then I could prevent it from happening, and then that leads me to being back on the force, washing my hands, and being clean again. I don't know. Just some food for thought. That's an interesting theory. We'll see how that pans out. Um, we did we did get to see Gordon get his hands quite dirty in this episode. I mean, obviously you spoke about it earlier, Franey, with uh, him killing the guy. Um, this was this was his little task given to him by the penguin. Uh, the penguin needed some money collected from someone who decided they didn't want to pay their debt because their debt was owned to Falcone, and they don't believe that the penguin is the new successor to Falcone. So he sends Gordon out there to pick, get to pick up the money. Gordon picks up the money. These the guy has his boys rough him up. He takes out a whole room of people, uh, you know, with his fighting skills. holds 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 the the gun to the guy's head, says, "Give me the money," and then runs. And then as he's running away, the guy sneaks up on him in a parking garage. He turns around and blasts him. He's gone. So Gordon's killed a person while committing a crime, essentially. He yeah. was committing a crime. Yeah, Gordon himself. And that's massive. I mean, Gordon's never been shown killing people. I mean, in the comics, you could take Gordon at two of his worst moments from the killing joke where he literally tells Batman, bring him in by the book. And then at the end of No Man's Land, when the Joker accidentally kills Sarah, which is funny considering the actress playing the position of the character in Gotham and then the relationship they have in the comics. But when Joker kills that character, you know, Joker our Joker makes a joke, of course. And Gordon, at his most angry, depressed at that moment, just shoots him in the leg. You know, he's like, no, we're taking him in. So this Gordon, this is like, wow, this is crazy. Daniel, what did you think about Gordon stepping over the line? Well, I mean, this basically just takes away from the Gordon that we all know and love. So this was just a pretty interesting character choice uh, that the writers went with. Sometimes I, the way that he's been roughing everybody up, um, you know, uh, got the money for the penguin. I know he needed that favor, but, you know, I just felt like, are they even reading the Batman comics so they know what Gordon is <laughs> <laughs> or who he is? Well, I think that's um, the, the the show is being heavily promoted as a whole new show this season. They're saying this is a new show that we're doing things differently this year. And by different, they meant darker. So they're going to make Gordon darker. They're going to make it so that he's. You know, not so much of a, a Boy Scout anymore. I mean, though he wasn't really a Boy Scout in that first season, he didn't he didn't do anything wrong. He, he did just about everything by the book. Um, and then, you know, he got his own moral code and whether or not he's going to 
tell somebody about what it is he found or if it's going to hurt somebody or not. But the thing is, is that you could always say that he's on the right side of morality. Now that he's killed the person, it's a different story, and I think that's where they're trying to go with this. This is how the this, this season's going to be different. It's not going to be uh, so much of Gordon trying to um, clean up everything as so much as now he's going to have to try and redeem himself. It's something to point. So the crazy baseball bat samurai that beat cop Gordon took down using no force, didn't use a gun. He's the one who is the gas bomb. You know, he, he burps up the gas, gets sent to Arkham, spits out all the gas where the villains get. And obviously Theo uses that to his advantage. Maybe Theo could have planted him on Gordon's beat. So who knows? There might be, like, I feel like that might be the way that redeems Gordon, that it turns out he didn't really kill. Just something, you know, because, I don't know, to get Gordon to kill, that's that's pretty big. I mean, granted, yes, Gordon's not an angel. You know, in Batman Year One, they made it so he cheated on his wife. Um, so they played that. But that's the first time they ever smeared his image, you know. He did smoke. In the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we had, and that is, that is another thing we have to bring up is that uh, there was a somewhat mentally unstable character that was out there. I don't know if he was thinking that he was fighting crime or doing the right thing, but we saw somebody give him a, something to drink and told him that he was going to be stronger. He goes out and, and he, he is fighting with people in the streets and then Gordon takes him down Eventually, he gets sent to Arkham because he's a, he's a Looney Tune, and he burps up the rest of the gas. I think we have to believe that it was Theo that did it because they said that he's a scientist and a philanthropist. So his end game was to have this guy get thrown into Arkham so that everybody gets knocked out from the gas, and that way he could break out the the inmates. Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. <laughs> the Task Force X. <laughs> Task Force V, I, 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 I. What else happened in the episode that uh, piqued your interest, Daniel? Uh, didn't Gordon get his badge back at the end of the at the end of the episode? Right, he does because um, since Penguin goes into Commissioner Loeb's house, basically threatens to kill him and say, "Look, you know, uh, you're you're messing around. You're not doing the things I want. So we're gonna kill you." And he's like, "Oh no, I'll do whatever you want." And then Penguin's like, nah, I don't know. If I, I, I let you live, you do what I want. But then who's to say you don't go and change your mind again and do and take take Gordon's badge away again? So the end game was Commissioner Loeb steps down. He retires. They set up a new commissioner, which ends up being Sarah Essen, who was uh, at the time Gordon's captain. And if you follow the comic book, soon to be second wife. But he has to have a first wife. <laughs> Barbara, Barbara's obviously gone crazy, so she's not going to be the first wife <laughs> anymore. So we'll see where that goes. But uh, Sarah, being uh, a good captain, uh, gives Gordon his badge back at the end. And as soon as she gives his badge back, we learn, or at least Gordon learns, that the inmates from Arkham have escaped. So it's right into work with him. And I wonder how that's all going to play out when he runs into, you know, Barbara. Because he will eventually, so I wonder how that, what that's going to entail, what it's going to go to. Well, I think I mean we already saw when she called him on the cell phone and said, "Look, 
And he, she's obviously lying to him. Leslie, I didn't try and kill Leslie. Leslie tried to kill me. It, I never told her that I killed my parents, and he didn't buy any of it. He was obviously like, you're crazy. You need to stay where you're at. And then she right ar- turns right around and calls the house number and leaves a, <laughs> leaves a, a very crazy stalkerish uh, a phone call, uh, phone message. Yeah. So that was that was insane. I mean, I I I, I think with the whole idea that this is supposed to be a low discount um, <laughs> Suicide Squad, she's supposed to be the Harley Quinn of the group, obviously. Which could all make sense with you know how they're speculating that she could be the whole Joker since this is going to be a whole different universe. But you know, Jerome supposedly that's our Joker. I feel that maybe she could be, like you said, that Harley Quinn. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, like we we talked about last week, there is the internet theory that Barbara Kane could be the that world's Joker. She's got the right type of uh, mental instability, I should say. Um, they are really pushing Jerome to be the Joker, and and the episodes that we at least the episode we saw, he's everything he's doing is pretty much uh, uh, trying to make that Joker character happen. I would say. With all the giggling, with all the murdering going on, that's one of the things. Just how he tried to manipulate everybody, but also be on somebody's side. Right, exactly. But uh, just kind of piggybacking, yeah, Jerome, I, I totally feel that is that is going to be the Joker. What's interesting in the comic books, Jeff Jones being the CCO of DC Comics, he's currently writing um, um, The Dark Side War in Justice League, which is great, by the way, check it out. And in it, Batman is in the Mobius chair, which grants him, like, all knowledge. He's, you know, he's the new god of information. And, you know, he asks, all right, okay, who killed my parents? All right, I knew that. That's true. Oh, you mean Batman's in the chair? Yeah, Batman's in the chair. Did you say Batman a second ago, or did you say Superman? No, I guess why I said Batman. Did he say Superman, or did he say Batman, Daniel? I think it's a Batman. Okay, then I'm hearing things. (laughs) (laughs) And my headphones aren't working. (laughs) But so anyways, Bruce asks, Batman asks, who is the Joker? And he's like, I, I, I've heard that name or I know that person. Some, some to that effect. So we're going to start having a name out there. And with Jeff Jones and his you know, secret identity as CCO, is that going to come into play that where it's like, okay, well, I'm stealing this idea from Gotham or this is something that we, we've got. So we're going to have the creative synergy between comics and TV. Will we start seeing Jerome come to the comics Instead of them just making Jerome, I would TV say Joker. most definitely because you got you have. Um, I, I can only imagine that they don't have these TV producers at the summit meetings. You know when they're coming up with storylines for comic books, and uh, they're saying, "Look, this this is where we're going to go with these st- the storyline in the in the TV show." It would probably be a good idea if you try to uh, incorporate it into the into the comic book so that it seems. It's not going to be so much as, um, hey, call him Jerome. <laughs> Make sure you, his name is Jerome. But it's going to be like the Joker was a kid that used to work at a circus kind of thing. You know, it's it, they always have to try and incorporate the two worlds. Like it's it's how we got Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn was a, a character made for the animated series, so she eventually got incorporated into the comic book. That's true. That's true. They bring a lot of aspects. Um, when we were watching Superman the movie last night. You know that cold Krypton and Krypton and, Krypton. and, and all of Brando people, calls it Krypton. Um, <laughs> that made it into John Byrne's Man of Steel. 
So they do steal a lot. Um, like Superman didn't fly in the comics until he went to the cartoons and the movies. So I could see this Jerome coming over. It's it's possible. I mean, it's a character. Let's see the Joker. How long has the Joker been around? We're talking seventy five years. So I mean, yep. to not actually have a origin story or a background for him, that's that's a pretty long time. Well, it's interesting because you had in the fifties. They had the whole Red Hood thing. And, of course, it was the goofy 50s Silver Age comics. In 1989, the Batman film, Jack. Jack Napier. Yeah, he was a gangster. And that was the first time we had a name. And I think the killing joke was before that, like 86, 88. And that one, they have it with Alan Moore's writing, say that the Joker has a past, but he likes to... Have his choice A, choice B, choice C versions of what really went down. Uh, but they never go out of the way to name the character. So the last name we've had is Jack Napier. What was, I don't, where is it do I remember that there was a story where he says, he's, uh, either he says or someone says his name was uh, Joseph Kerr. Oh, that's from the story called uh, Go Insane. I think it's from the 90s. That's right. Yeah. And, and it, so it's. It's a play on Joseph Kerr is Joe Kerr. Yes. Yep. So Joker. <laughs> Good story, by the way. Legends of the Dark Knight comic. Yep. Basically what happens is uh, he thinks that he ends up killing Batman, um, and he lives a normal life. And then he slowly starts going crazy since he has nothing to occupy his time. He meets a beautiful woman, falls in love. <laughs> Gets married. Just like... <laughs> Just like every uh, megalomaniac, you know, sociopath <laughs> wants to do. Just settle down, yep. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, or gents, any uh, last thoughts on, on Season 2, Episode 1 of Gotham, Rise of the Villains? The Penguin is still as manipulative as ever. True. I do gotta say, yeah, they've done a great job of actually making him a fearsome character as opposed to just... You know this guy with a weird bird fetish. Well, see now I have to change. I have to argue with you on that. Was it really him that was fearsome, or was it Zaz that was fearsome? Because I think Victor Zaz, his character, really stepped it up in this season, just in the little bits that he was there. I, he, he was terrifying. I mean, holding up that head was just <laughs> a little comical, but it was also scary. All right, good point. But I will say the fact that Zaz, the scary guy, will follow the penguin. It's got some gajones. Yep. That is a good point. That is a good point. Um, I did think uh, one of my final thoughts on the show, I'd have to say, is that I don't know if I'm, I'm liking where they're taking one of my favorite characters from the first season, which is the Riddler. This whole uh, Green Goblin or uh, <laughs> Smeagol fucking Gollum thing going on in the mirror. <laughs> I just I, I think there could have been a better way for them to just to show that he's going crazy or that his his mind is breaking. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the bipolarness. Yeah, see, like I like the Our idea split personality. Yeah, well, borderline disorder. It's it's changed many times. Um, I like I don't like I thought I liked the idea that they were starting in the first season where it was almost subconsciously that he's putting a clue in that note that it was from him. That all the letters spelled out Nigma, you know, instead of because he even's like, I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? It's in my, you know, it's, he did it subconsciously. He laid out a clue. He had to do it, or else, you know, things wouldn't have been right. And now it's going to be that he's fighting a duality of himself: the one that wants to be a good guy, the one that wants to be the bad guy. Which is a shame because with 
Harvey Dent, that's his battle. That is his battle. That's him. But I mean, we won't see Harvey Dent become Two Face because until later. I, I, I mean, at least when Batman dons a cow, that's when we're going to see that happen. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is an Elseworlds. This is an Elseworlds. Things have changed. I mean, uh, even Franey pointed it out yesterday when he was watching the recap that Maroni is dead in this Gotham world and. In the comic world, Baroni's the one that kills the Graysons. So, how is this going to work out? Are we ever going to get a Dick Grayson? Are we ever going to get the Flying Graysons? Are we going to get a Robin in this world? I mean, obviously, that's really far down the line because Bruce is still <laughs> a twelve-year-old generation ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it is interesting to watch the liberties that they take with the characters. Um, talking about final thoughts, I'm curious as a new viewer to see. The redemption that Jim's going to go through this season to see what he can do after killing somebody while going in and being a strong arm. All right, well, there you go. It's uh, Rise of the Villains, and apparently Gordon himself is a villain, if you think about it. So it's time for him to redeem himself. I think the next show we wanted to talk about is Fear the Walking Dead. We've got four episodes out of the six so far. How has it been going for you guys? To me, it... It's been a little bit slow still, but, I mean, it's the first season, so can't have too much going on. And also, it's the beginning of the outbreak, so you can't have too much chaos going on, or else it takes away from the fun. I just think, for the, I guess what what really kind of killed it for me, I think it was in the second episode, uh, when, they're, when they're driving over the hills... And I just remember that that kid from the high school saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's gonna start with blackouts, then all everything's gonna go off the grid. There's not gonna be internet." I felt like that was a little bit too quick for me, especially with the outbreak just happening. It's funny because for me, episode two was the one that redeemed it. Um, an hour and a half for episode one. That was a marathon of boredom. That's <laughs> true. It was a very very slow burn. Um, it it was. I mean, we saw the glimpses of what we'd have to assume are are the starts of the outbreak. You know, we did see the the kid, the druggy kid, have to fight off his girlfriend and run out into the middle of the street. And then we see another person get shot down by the police. And uh... so right here, a little bit of a mysterious thing happened. 20 seconds of our audio seemed to have just went missing from the from the saved MP3 file. Basically, what we talked about is that the kid who brings a knife to school in the first episode of Fear the Walking Dead is a harbinger of the impending doom. Back to the show. Uh, He's just going to give butter. He's just going (laughs) to cut butter and smear it on himself. (laughs) Kill me now. It makes it it more tasty for the the zombies. And... um, He's he's the one that Daniel's talking about, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, it's going to be bad. People are going to panic. There's going to be riots. The internet's going to go down. There's not going to be any electricity. Uh, I want to stay here at the school where I know that the, I could lock up and there's big brick walls and stuff." I love this school because it's like they have food ready to cook and make anything. The school cop leaves drugs in his locker. <laughs> the principal has like a, a wired tap system for every classroom. Like, aren't we supposed to be underfunded? But yet look at all this stuff they have. So do you feel that, that maybe uh, later on that might be a place that uh, this family and maybe other survivors are going to go to try and survive? Like the, the mother will be like, hey, I know a great place we can bunker down. It's going to be the school. 
I could definitely see that. It'll be like the Walking Dead season dead prison. So this is the teen version of it. Uh, but, uh, well, it would make sense. I mean, it's an area that's going to be gated off. You know, the building is very structurally sound. I imagine we're going to discover this is an old school, so it'll have bottom layers. You know, it's there. Why not use it? Access to the roof. True. I mean, the only thing I could see getting in the way is with, uh, what are we, episode four, where you see the light turns out to be, you know, the, the, the gun muzzle going off, and you're like, oh... I guess that's not the place to go after all. Yeah. You know, that's another thing I wanted to talk about is that I thought this show, I actually thought the show was progressing way too quickly. I thought we were gonna, this whole first season was going to be more of just uh, incidents here, incidents there, people, a uh, little bit of whispers everywhere about what's going on, you know, panic and stuff, not full on riots and then all of a sudden zombie apocalypse because so then when I believe the third episode came around and the army rolls in at the very end of the episode it it kind of slows everything down for me which i preferred because i didn't want the show to become i didn't want the show to be to become uh you know the walking dead already it's the whole point of this show is to show the beginning of the outbreak that we missed because rick was in the coma so i i enjoy the the slowing down aspect i want to see more of people uh, panicking because every time you see any movie that has to do with a disease like Contagion is a great example it's it's not so much the disease that you have to be afraid of it's the people around you that are panicking that you have to be afraid of yeah I love that social commentary you know something that's interesting thinking about episode one of The Walking Dead uh, Rick wakes up stumbles through the hospital gets outside and the bodies are laid down with sheets over them. Wow. Imagine when we get to see that. But from the Fear of the Walking Dead side, you know, maybe that's what's going on when they're like, oh, you know, the, the, the barber's wife has a cut foot. Come with us. We'll fix you. Oh, your son's a junkie. Come with us. We'll fix you. And just lay down, put this blanket over you and blammo. That is a good, uh, good thing to bring up. What do we think about this, uh, doctor who's taking away patients and not letting their families come with them it's i mean has she got it nefarious uh plans does she is she doing experiments are we actually gonna is she actually gonna try and heal these people daniel well it's the military um uh crap season one the walking dead when i go to that military base and you know the guy reveals you know we are the walking dead I feel like he was one of the good guys, but with all the panic that's going on, you know, in LA, bigger city, I feel like nothing's going to happen. I feel like their quarantine zone, they're just maybe doing a couple of experiments on them. And, you know, they might, they might not try to fix them. They might just, your risk, blam, just like Freeman said. So even a, uh, don't quote me, <laughs> even a, <laughs> <laughs> even a drug addict is is too much of a liability like I, he even though you could probably um wean himself off not even so much wean himself off but maybe even even if he goes cold turkey and has to go through through withdrawals for the next week he could still eventually be a uh someone that could be helpful yeah but if he didn't look like johnny depp they'd kill him <laughs> 
but since they're trying to make their Johnny Depp, their Daryl, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna escape and become a badass. No, I I the day that that kid becomes a badass is the day that I cannot survive the zombie apocalypse. Oh, that, that's actually tonight, episode five. And the title is "Kid Becomes a Badass." <laughs> How we all lost Mitch. <laughs> uh, I do. I do think that she obviously does. I think she does have some nefarious plans. I think that uh, I'm surprised. Actually, I was surprised that the commander of this little um, encampment that they have going on in this neighborhood is actually still working with the rest of the government. I was almost certain that he was he has gone rogue with his platoon and taking over a neighborhood and not not going out and helping people anymore well what's interesting i thought that comes to my mind when the um the mother when she goes out into the town and she runs into the other squadron and hides do you think the neighborhood patrol knows about the quarantine zone and vice versa you know, maybe maybe that could be something that, you know, this guy took a splinter of his men and it's like, to hell with it. Let's just set up shop here. We got a couple nice houses. Get rid of the junkie and we're okay. Well, see, I think that with when <laughs> the fact that the they let the doctor in to examine people and to uh, uh, take away who they need, that, that means he is still in, communica- in communications with uh, a uh uh, commanding officer of some sort, you know, someone is trying to strategize this whole thing or put it together and and uh, play triage, I guess, if you want to say. Good point. That's true. So I think we if we might end up seeing more of a government side of why what what they did at the beginning of these at the beginning of the outbreak and where they obviously went wrong since in the actual Walking Dead. The government's non-existent, at least from Atlanta to Washington, D.C., and then on to Alexandria, so... It's always the East Coast messed up. (laughs) I guess, actually, tonight's episode, or episode six, should probably answer that, because... Is this episode six? I think it's episode five. Well, tonight's five. Five or six. Okay. But one of those two. We're going to see the main character... At first, he dismissed his son, you know, like, oh, there's nothing there, you're being a kid... And then he gets up on the roof, sees it, and hears it. So when he goes tells that commanding officer, how's that going to play? Like, hey, if you keep asking questions, you're going to go see it firsthand? Or is he just going to be like, I don't know. So that'll tell more of how connected he is. See, that's another thing I think is funny about this character. The uh, He's obviously our... Uh... Our Rick, I guess you want. I mean, for lack of a better word, he's there. He's our main hero that we're trying to follow. And if this was any other world, his compassion would make him a great hero for a TV show. But since we know what happens in The Walking Dead, and sometimes, most often than not, a compassionate person will, is going to get themselves killed or someone else killed. Uh, we we're all kind of not not rooting for him. We're like, look, you're 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 messing up. You're you're fucking up. You're making it dangerous for everybody else. These people need to be put down because they're not people anymore. But he doesn't know that. We know that. So I think that's a funny little uh, inner tor- turmoil that that happens as viewers. And I think the writers are doing good that way. True. Well, even the dad, even the dad from the other family, he said, you know, 
good people are the weak people, bad people are the ones that, you know, survive. So, I mean, I know he wasn't there to hear it, but I know, obviously, we've already known, we've already seen that that's going to come into bigger play into this show as well. Yeah, exactly. That's why, like, um, it, and if if that character was in a different show, of, and he had this little mini monologue of bad people are the ones that survive and good people are the ones that get others killed, you know, we'd be like, "Oh, that guy's a dick. We don't. He's not. He's not a good person. We don't want him around. We we You're want not him to get my killed. hair. Yeah, I don't want him to cut my hair exactly." So that's, uh, I think that's funny that we're like, oh yeah, he's right. We know. It's because we do know. Yeah. <laughs> well, but here's a crazy thought. What if that compassionate leader could be the Rick that we wanted, that we, that we want to save us without compromising? I mean, I get what you're saying. It's, it's tough because in this world, you know, like right now in Fear the our normal Walking Dead, the people are worse than the zombie. The zombies are nothing. You know, it's like, oh, it's living in Yuma, Arizona. It's hot again. We're used to that. Oh, there's zombies. <laughs> We're used to that. So <laughs> keeping that mistrust and using it for action, what if this main character could be successful while being the anti-Rick? That's interesting. That 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 could be... Huh. Uh, a nice little twist. I mean, it's it's a definite a definite change from Rick. If if we do get that far in the Fear of the Walking Dead, where you know uh, a, a compassionate person who wants to help everybody can uh, be as successful as a leader as as Rick, who you know I'm not saying that he's not compassionate. He obviously cares for the people that are with him, but he's a lot more weary of the people that show up. Oh, yeah. after everything they've been into, yeah. yeah. As soon as you start throwing around words like terminus, <laughs> we all clench a little. Yep. Um, coming from the comic book side of the show, um, are there any similarities you've seen that that they might have drawn from the comic book for just Fear the Walking Dead? Whew, good question. Um, honestly, I would say not much. In the current season where we leave rick and his gang that takes us up to like nearly issue 100 of the comics and we really haven't been introduced to characters that met rick and his group and just like oh nice to meet you have had a good adventure we're gonna separate um these people these voices the they're all fresh you know so this is gonna be an interesting take this will take your comic book fan and have them really have to speculate because there's no map this time. Daniel? Yeah, I feel like this show's a little bit, you know, original, and I really see you no know, some similarities between the comics and the TV show at this point. Yeah, you know, that's 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 interesting because a lot of people who do read the comic books came into The Walking Dead and saying, you know, I, I have a good idea of where, I mean, probably when the first episode showed up, I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen because I've read the comic books. And for the most part, I assume the show... Because I, personally, have never read The Walking Dead. Uh, <laughs> I am a big fan of the show, though. And I, I imagine that at this point, a lot of, so many things have changed that not... It's not... I mean, there there probably are some surprises for people who read the comic books. Am I, am I correct in assuming that? Oh, yeah. I feel like... Like, you could almost look like... Um, well, Shane. 
there we go shane only made it to issue six spoilers for a comic that's over 10 years old uh, <laughs> oh look if they haven't learned by episode three <laughs> that we spoil the hell out of everything then they really should, should be not listening be listening <laughs> <laughs> because i feel that uh if it's out then it's out <laughs> it's it's your duty to to watch out and not get spoiled yourself there we go um but yeah shane i mean shane never made it to the farm he died right off the bat um carl shot him and in the way they did the show rick killed him and then carl killed zombie him um, yep. but shane was a wild car he was daniel what what did what do you think of the the jump from the comic book to the to the screen Shane was a, in my opinion, he was a badass, but he had to go. He had, he had to go. But now, how we covered this in a previous episode of the podcast is Rick is slowly becoming a Shane, doing necessary, you know, whatever is necessary to keep this group alive and moving forward. Something that, you know, Rick would always be like, no, this is wrong. You know, what are you talking about, Shane? If you remember, I think that Rick is exactly like what the main character from Fear the Walking Dead is like right now. Just, you know, I I am a noble savior. We got to do everything by the book. We got to be right about it. You know, can't let anybody go. But you're starting to see this transformation. I think you're right. It's um, he, he is kind of like we, we did say in the earlier podcast, he is kind of turning into a Shane. And, and yes, his immediate group is his uh, flock for lack of a better word, to protect. Um, I think it's funny, though, because as I've pointed out before, there's only, what, four people left from his original group that's in the group now? So his group always gets bigger. He always accepts new people. It just happens. It's just the circumstance of whether or not how these people come about. So, I mean, obviously he's in Alexandria now. Rick is in Alexandria. He's going to accept the people that accept him. So that it makes his group bigger. So that group is now protected by Rick. Anybody that comes in is going to either have to step in line or get killed. And and <laughs> dictatorship. <laughs> Whereas, like, uh, take the governor is was kind of like that with Woodbury, right? He it's either you follow his rule or you get fed to the zombies in the in the fighting pit or in the actual pit. <laughs> so it's, I don't think Rick will ever go that, that far. I think it's more of he'll, he'll look, you got to do it or I'll exile you. Or, you know, if you come at me, I'll, I'll kill you. You know, I think that's interesting because I see that like Rick could be the governor, Shane, things like that, those comparisons, but he still has Carl. And I think he's holding on to that. I'm your father. You're going to be the next one. Let me show you how to do it right. It's less compromise. Items like that. So what you're telling me is that once Carl dies, I'm really going to see some awesome shit from Rick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there's an Elseworlds of that. <laughs> see, well, but the thing is, it's, it's kind of like that thought. Before we all discovered our dad was just another guy. Remember when he would do cool things? He was awesome all the time. You didn't know he had a porn collection. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we went there. And now you know, and you're just kind of looking at each other, and you're like, oh, great. 
We both masturbate. <laughs> so we're on the same level. And we're not heroes anymore. And Rick's got that. He's still got that innocence of Carl. So he's going to do everything he can. I mean, who knows? Would he? Would we finally get to see the full-out love between um, Rick and Michonne? Or is it, you know, he's like, well, you know, that's that's Carl's friend. I shouldn't bang my son's friends, <laughs> even though she's a grown woman. I think uh, I I do understand what you're saying. I think that's that's true. He uh, at at some, at especially at the the first two seasons, you know, uh, first two and a half seasons, you have uh, a Carl that looks up to his father as a superhero. He's like, hey, this is my dad. I get to wear his hat. I'm I'm. I'm the son of the of the sheriff, but around mid season three, when uh, Rick has gone a little bit off his rocker, Carl's looking at him like, "You're nothing." I oh god, I don't, I don't even want you around me. I don't, I'm it's, not learning anything from you. Yeah, when he had to kill his own mom, right? It's so like, yeah. I've surpassed you. Don't ever tell me about your pain because I just killed my mom. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, I I see the. Di- the dynamic there so you're right it's it's probably both uh carl and judith that's keeping rick grounded i guess is the best word but it's also his main motivation too like even with the group that he needs to protect it's his kids that he really wants to protect it's i mean the greatest example is that when that uh what is it the the claimers the claimers got a hold of uh carl and (laughs) said that they were going to do terrible things to him and his body. And what did he do? He bit that dude's neck out. Got his fucking throat? Yes! <laughs> right? So that was, uh, that was, that was a, that was quite the scene. That was a great moment in the comics. I want to say somewhere in the 60s, issue 60s. It's Rick, Carl, and Abraham. And they go off on an adventure to go back to Atlanta, find some stuff, and then come back. And they escape the first, like, tidal wave of zombies. And they're surviving in this little El Camino. And so they're just camped out for the night. And it's like, okay, you know, Rick's like, I'll stay awake, keep eye out. Carl sleeps in the car. Uh, Abraham and Rick are in the bed. And they all fall asleep and they wake up to these like pirates and they say the same thing. We're going to rape your boy. We're going to, you know, kill him and then you're next. And Rick just loses it. And it was a great moment. Like, I I can only imagine when I become a father, I'm that awesome and a badass. (laughs) Like, you're not going to fuck my son. I'll kill you. You know. So I have a question. Um for the comic book side uh and this is showing my um not knowingness i don't know what the word i'm trying to say right there but your cherry is uh <laughs> is kirkman also the artist on that show on that comic book no so has it always been the same artist they had an artist for like the first six or 12 was- and then they got a second artist and he's been all the way since it was uh uh, I think Charlie Adlard, that was the artist, yes. but, but yeah, they let him go and they got the new artist. Okay. I don't know why I, I wanted to know that. I just felt the need to know. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because in, this was an argument we had if we open the Watchmen argument up, 
Why is Watchmen so successful? You had one writer, one artist. Limited series. With Walking Dead, the voices are always the same. Rick has been Rick, written by the same writer from issue one. Superman will sound inconsistent because we have a writer and then they leave. We have a new writer come on and then he gets bored. We get assigned a writer. But this is purely done out of love for the character. And that is important. Like, I mean, the creative team for Walking Dead has only been three people. Um, I want to say at like a comic book convention or two ago, there is going to be the possibility of another person writing the comic book. So this could be interesting. This could make some change. Um, maybe this could be a Fear of the Walking Dead tie-in spinoff. But hasn't, hasn't Kirkman in interviews said that he knows where this ends? He knows where the Walking Dead ends, the comic book? But then again, that's before he got money. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's true. We don't want to turn off the cash cow, folks. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he probably thought like, hey, let's kill Rick in issue 100. And then it's Carl and he's being raised by, you know, whoever's left. Um, but with the change in tone, the actors, the popularity of it, you know, who knows? He says he would be a wild guy about it, but it's all where the money goes. Yeah, he always used to fuck with my friend and tell him, like, what if, you know, Rick was in a coma the whole time? And that was just a dream that he had while he was in that coma. He wakes up, everything's the same. Boom. But no. <laughs> no, I know you that, know, that, <laughs> that storyline is not acceptable in any fiction anymore. Like, that, that happened in, what was that show? Uh, Dallas? Dallas. Back in the 80s. Yeah. And uh, the whole, that whole season was just a dream. Or what was the other one? St. Elsewhere, the, the medical sh- drama. The, the end of that, the series ending on that was uh it's all inside of the mind of a, this uh autistic kid as he's playing with his toys the whole hospital okay that's a tangent but folks uh, gotham this is, this is where is we go the nightmare of <laughs> <laughs> so daniel last thoughts on fear the walking dead we are the walking dead i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we have two episodes left what's something you want to see at in the, the season finale what I want to see is the family actually going, or at least the little brother, or the the mom and the little brother, uh, going up to the house where they saw the flashing lights, just to investigate what happened afterwards. You know, since you do finish episode four with the dad going up on the roof and seeing that light flashing and then a bunch of lights going off, which means that they found that guy or that person that was in there, killed them. I just want to see what what would happen after that or if they managed to go in there see what was going on or maybe you know ask the military what's going on but then the military would probably get a little meh about it <laughs> f-o-u-o <laughs> that's right <laughs> franny what's uh your final thoughts on fear the walking dead so far and what's something you want to see by the time they end the season on this episode six I feel like I like even-numbered episodes, and odd-numbered episodes are just the long, boring ones. Um, <laughs> that is an could... interesting theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's all those numbers. Um, I just I want the teenagers to stop acting whiny and try to change and do the best they can. Um, the main character, the dad, it'll be interesting to see what he does 
when the situation starts to get real. How will he handle when the military starts overstepping bounds, when we're running low on supplies? Because even the commanding officer said, look, you're the man of the people. So what will happen when that really has to step forward? So I'm excited to see where his character is going to go. Um, I guess I, like my final thoughts would be that you know I, I, I would have to say that I am enjoying the show so far. Uh, I do... I'm not so excited about any of the characters. I don't think there's one character on the show that I'm actually vested in or care about, but I do like the show. Um, most of the teenagers are all annoying to me. <laughs> uh, the parents are way too whiny and not parenty enough. And, uh, and Which is funny considering they're all a bunch of divorced people. They couldn't handle their lives when they were in the real world. And, That's you know, true. Now you're in the zombie apocalypse with your girlfriend and your ex-wife. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, obviously that guy's in hell, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, like, I was... I had hopes for this um, military guy that's seeing the the barber's daughter, you know, when he's supposed to be on a patrol. Um... I had hopes. I thought that... Because I like that actor, Sean H- Hodesey. Uh, Hatosi, I don't exactly know how to say his name, but he, uh, I, I thought his character would, might be something interesting, but it just looks like he's, there's a zombie apocalypse going on, and he's just in it to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> As most people would be. Okay, that's true. I, I, I can't I can't really fault him for that. So, uh, but I guess, I guess by the final, final episode, I would like to see them, um, get away from the neighborhood, the quarantine zone, uh, venture out a little bit more, even if they don't get on a camper and decide to go across country to someplace else. Um, I would like, since this is supposed to be the beginning of the outbreak and it's supposed to be different from the walking dead, I would like there to be more of piecing together. Like, even if we never get an actual answer, but like, uh, getting little pieces here of, theories from different people, different scientists, you know, like these, this family goes into the medical base and, and finds uh, a doctor to talk to just, well, that'd be cool. Like bring in some members from the CDC and their intelligence leads us to, you know, episode six of season one fear or walk the walking dead. Um, And then it'd be kind of cool if they play with what we know, like all of a sudden, like, all right, we want to get all these people and send them to the hospital, you know, and as we've seen from walking dead hospitals are bad places. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the things we like to do on the show for is we like to, uh, speculate or not even speculate, just something that we'd like to see something that we've read in the comic books. We'd like to see in one of these shows. So you have plenty of shows to pick from this season. You have agents of shield, uh, Gotham, Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Supergirl, Agent Carter, any of these shows, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, what's something from the comic books that you would like, a storyline that you would like to see played out on the screen? So here's episode four of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I guess just, just keeping it in with what we saw from tonight, talking about Gotham and Fear the Walking Dead, I guess it'll be kind of neat when it comes to and uh, this doesn't tie into comics sadly but when fear the walking dead 
eventually meets the Walking Dead. That'll be cool to see those two camps, groups meet. And what are their philosophies like? Will one judge the other too harshly? Will the other take advantage? Um, things like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Like, how is the family going to react to Daryl? You know, and how's Rick going to react to somebody who is his former self? And, you know, when he sees that son growing up, that could have been my kid. But he didn't get to live in that world. Daniel, is, uh, is there anything since the last episode that you'd like to see in one of these shows? A storyline that you particularly like that you might want to see? Not not at this point. I just want to see... I, I guess I kind of want to see uh, Flash pick up and Arrow pick up and then regular Walking Dead pick up before I can actually give any input as to what else I want to see. What are your thoughts, Mitch? Uh, I think... I was thinking about this uh, earlier. I think one of the things in Legends of Tomorrow that uh, since it's a time travel show, I would really like to see uh, this group show up in JSA times. Ooh. Like to if we, I know that there's no mention of them in Arrow or Flash that there was a group of superheroes during World War II, but I totally see that you could they travel to this world or they travel to this time period and then for some reason you know people's memories get affected and no one remembers that there was a JSA or whatever you know we do have Jay Garrick showing up in season two of Flash uh, maybe that will be where we get to see the JSA I just I just know that's what I want to see I want to see these old school uh, golden age heroes and where they uh, just see them up there on the screen you got Jay Garrick and Alan uh Oh God, Alan Scott, Alan Scott, Gage thank Green you, Leonard, uh, Specter, Hawkman. Jeez, yeah, that that'll be cool. All right, folks, I think that is where we're gonna leave it for episode three. What are we gonna call this one? Fear, fear. How about fear the Gotham villains? <laughs> <laughs> Rise of the fear. Rise of the fear. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so we still we still have a few weeks out for. Flash and Arrow, we have two more episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, and we have... Uh, but then The Walking Dead comes back, so we have that to look forward to. Woo! And then we have, um, obviously, Gotham has started, so that should be interesting. So, for episode three of Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Network, I'm Mitch. You can find me at, at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. Daniel, what's your Twitter handle? Daniel Von Helvet. <laughs> At Daniel Von Helvet on Twitter. And Franey, do you want to give out your Twitter handle? Sure, if I can remember it. Um, at Stuff I Should Say. And I was cool and I spell should, S-H-U-D. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. It says in the cool dictionary you spell should, S-H-U-D. I, I believe I remember reading that. Uh, any, also, you can check us out at uh, our Facebook page, which is Geek Elite Radio. We have a Twitter, which is at Geek Elite Radio. And we have a website, which is very cool. You can go over there. You can possibly be a contributor. You can get on and write an article and submit it. And it's uh, geekeliteradio.com. So plenty of ways to get a hold of us. There's even a contact us page there. So check it out. We all and we also uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. So if that's everything, I'm out.
We now return you to a regularly scheduled program. 